Remember the Titans is a story of how a town torn apart by resentment, friction, and mistrust comes together. The year is 1971, and after leading the team to 15 winning seasons, football coach Yost is demoted and replaced by Herman Boone. These two men overcome their differences and turn a group of hostile young men into champions. We can learn a lot from the Titans. In Virginia, high school football is a way of life. It's bigger than Christmas Day. My daddy coached in Alexandria. He worked so hard, my mama left him. But I stayed with coach. He needed me on that field. Up until 1971 in Alexandria, there was no race mixing. Then the school board forced us to integrate. They combined the white school and the black school into one, called T.C. Williams High School. Somehow, this team was able to overcome their differences, which really was more than just skin deep, their differences. Somehow they're able to learn that their differences, their uh, just uh, disagreements when they focused in on them could actually make them stronger. There were cultural differences, there were economic differences, obviously there were racial differences, yet somehow, somehow these titans come together under the leadership of their coaches and move forward. Uh, some wouldn't make it if you've seen the movie. Some don't stick with it. Some can't handle the changes. But overall, the team handles the changes and brings the town and community with them. It's interesting, the integrity of playing the game and playing the game well and honoring the game trumps everything. And as that became their real drive, they started to play some amazing, amazing football together after being fractured and uh, just in a disagreeable state. Well, you know, the same thing kind of happened almost 2,000 years ago with the church in Corinth. They had all kinds of abilities. They had talent. They had money. They had skill. They had status. Yet it was uh, mixed up with everybody. Culturally, everybody belonged. And yet they also had Christ. And Paul speaks into their lives because they really weren't coming together. It is an amazing thing when you think about church world and you think about all the different backgrounds. If we were to go around with a mic, all of us have different backgrounds, different stories, some very difficult, some tragic some seem to go along a little smoother, yet we all come together and do this thing called Christian living. And that's pretty amazing that we can do that. Yet, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can become disagreeable. There can be a spirit of that. That doesn't mean we become clones of each other, but there's this idea that when the goal, the mission, the vision is center stage, that all those differences, some just different personalities, some different perspectives, all of that can come together. Paul spent 18 months in Corinth, and if you read the first letter and then the second letter, you can see that he had a hard time with this church. And again, what's amazing is they had God with them. 
yet they didn't really listen as well as they ought to, and they had kinds of troubles. But if they would just come together, they would become, uh, in a sense, uh, titans for the faith. And so we're beginning this new series. It's going to be about six weeks. We've got some breaks coming up as we try to figure out how they, Paul led them to do it and how we can do it too. Uh, many of us uh, are realizing that, uh, you know, the last uh, coming out of COVID and coming just into just hard times, uh, this has been a little bit of a challenge for us as the church. Different personalities, different things happening, um, some marriages that don't seem to be making it. And so how do we take all of that and move together rather than move apart? That's very important for us. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at the idea of disagreements. And disagreements can start from a good place. But disagreements also can end up in a bad place. Uh, we want people to bring who they are to the table. Uh, you'll see that if you watch the movie, and we might even have a movie night. We're still working on that, whether it's going to be in community groups or together or whatever. But, uh, it, you know, if you watch that, you'll see that it all comes together. They're stronger with their different perspectives than weaker. A lot of times when I'm doing, well, not a lot of times, every time I'm doing premarital counseling, I talk to the couple and I say, you are stronger together. Your differences can, can protect you. There's, there's less of being blindsided when there's a balance there, when there's uh, understanding, when there's a weakness over here but a strength over there. When everybody's the same, then there can be pieces of life you don't see coming. So, again, differences can become strength, and those differences usually start off with a disagreement. And, again, it can be something very simple that gets amplified, something very simple like uh, music. guy's not liking the Motown music. Too much of one culture versus another culture. Differences, something like music, can strengthen or it can weaken. A little bit later on, one of uh, the guys tries to explain the beauty of this kind of music. I don't even know how you can say this is music, but, but uh, especially living a mile from picking in the pasture, I heard some of this music. But uh, this guy I can kind of identify with. This one. Yeah, I don't even have to ask, but I will. What do you think of this one? Does the term cruel and unusual punishment mean anything to you? <laughs> that poor guy. So something as simple as music can make you stronger. Or it can become a disagreement that just amplifies. And when you pull a group of people together, a group of Christ falls together, there's lots of little pressure points for that kind of thing to happen. 
And again, it's not that you forget who you are, it's, it's not anything like that, but it gets to be way too much perspective group differences and it can cause major, major problems. And eventually there becomes a disagreeable spirit in every environment, you just come in and you're leaning into just being disagreeable. And uh, we've got to watch out for that. We've got to be aware of that. Again, it doesn't mean you accept sloppy behavior, uh, sinful behavior, all those kinds of things. But this idea of not becoming disagreeable because of disagreements. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 Paul starts to get into this. He says, I urge you, my brothers and sisters, for the sake of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to agree to live in unity with one another and put to rest any divisions that attempt to tear you apart. Be restored as one united body living in perfect harmony for a consistent choreography among yourselves having a common perspective and shared values. This isn't even a just an, uh, this doesn't just get applied to church life, a local church. This get applies to every relationship, your marriages, all those kinds of things, having them move together. And if you're a person here just checking out church, you're watching online, just checking things out, uh, you get a you get in a sense a front row seat to see how Christ followers are supposed to behave, and sometimes we can be notorious about our behavior when it comes to getting along, unity in divisions, and being disagreeable. And other times, it just points to Christ because how could that group of people get along so well? Paul sees this, and Paul is concerned about this you know our diversity can be the art of thinking independently together you have to chew on that a little bit independently together again stronger together than apart uh, sometimes you hear the word synergy you know, a bunch of people sit at the table. There's synergy there. That's what's beautiful about community groups. Because you get in there from different perspectives. Some things you disagree with completely, but you sit down, you talk, you interact, and you're thinking independently, but you're thinking together. How do we apply these concepts? Knowing Christ, walking with Christ, isn't just to be head knowledge. It's to show up in the way we interact with our world around us. And when you and I are in those kinds of settings, not like right now there isn't a lot of give and take, but in those kinds of situations, you can tease things out. Again, differences aren't to become a spirit of disagreeability, but, but having those, that, that, that's healthy. You've heard me talk about this before. We want to be a thinking church where you can bring your questions in a respectful way and we can, and we can talk through them and see what is the answer to those. So diversity can be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yet when we're not careful, uh, there becomes uh, disagreements that uh, can divide. They can uh, split us up. Instead of those differences being a strength, instead of those disagreements being a strength, they can divide us when we're not wise with them. 
Again, they're valuable, but we need to be wise with them. Paul writes this, another translation, I appeal to you that you all agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you. The word divisions actually means tears or cracks. If you got a piece of pottery, pottery in Paul's day, uh, you got a piece of pottery not just because it looked beautiful, but because it had some value, you would use it. So you wanted a piece of pottery that would hold the contents well. And so if you were a savvy pottery buyer, you would hold it up to the light and you'd see if there were any cracks in it. Because sometimes there would be cracks and they would paint it, goop it over so you couldn't see it at first glance. You would check for the cracks. Because when there are cracks in a piece of pottery or there's cracks in our unity, in your marriage, in our church or wherever, when pressure gets put into that container, all of a sudden it springs leaks. Which really dated me because I thought of this scene from the Brady Bunch. It doesn't leak. Great. Put the flowers in. the kids just keep their eyes down no balls in the house that's what happens so the cracks that vase is no longer any good because it can't hold water it it i guess it looked nice and uh looked nice with flowers in it but when there was any pressure on it it starts to blow apart and when there is a disagreeable spirit when there's cracks and divisions in any relationship church family whatever it may be and the pressure gets in there all of a sudden the cracks start to reveal themselves because the 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 water starts coming through them or whatever in life starts coming through them so the way you prepare for that is on the front end making sure you're watching out for any cracks Another translation says it this way. Dear brothers, I beg you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing. He, he's throwing that out there. So th that should, if you're a Christ follower, you should lean in. Yes, Jesus Christ has changed my life. My sins are forgiven. My eternity with him is secure. All that goes along with that. Yes, I owe him. You owe Christ. So because you owe Christ, Stop arguing among yourselves. That other person you're arguing with, Jesus died for that person. Let there be real harmony so that there won't be splits in the church. That idea of harmony. Uh, sometimes uh, you can hear a group and they sing and they're in harmony, harmony and you almost can't tell there are three voices there. They just blend together so well. Likewise, in the life of a local church, energized by mission, striving for a vision, when that is our marching orders, when that is our uh, direction, all of a sudden we, we sing with harmony as we enter into our greater world. 
And other passages talk about how that makes Christ seem real to an unbelieving world because they see that and they go, I see, I don't see unity like that anywhere else. How can that be? That unity, that harmony is supernatural. It must be a God energized because I've not seen that anywhere else. It's a witness. It's a testimony. I plead with you to be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. You must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another, cultivating a life in common. This idea of preparing for a life, uh, uh, soiled, digging the dirt up, kind of getting ready for the seed. In a sense, we could say as Christ followers, we're trying to plant the seed of the good news of what Christ has done all over the place. So we want to prepare the soil. And one of the major parts of preparing the soil is the way we interact with each other. Um, I remember when I was a youth pastor and, and I had uh, kids coming from uh, non-faith backgrounds or no church youth group experiences. And I remember when we would play a game or have some activity, I had a couple kids that were new who said they really liked coming to youth group because there was no other place in their life where it was, where it's fun like this. And, and they didn't use these words, but it was, it was a safe environment. They were cared for. It was nice. Uh, yeah, we had fun. We were competitive. But, but, but there was a good spirit there, and they saw that. And that made them want to take a step forward, made them want to take a step towards Christ. That's just not supposed to happen in our children's ministry. It's supposed to happen everywhere. What a great thing to be in a community group and, and have a, a disagree about something and uh, be able to talk it through and have someone to watch that and see that you're not enemies afterwards. You're actually still on the same page. You can disagree and that is okay. So you, we cultivate a life in common. Also, uh, disagreements will declare. They'll declare something about us. When we're, it, it starts to give a reflection of what's important to us. When we stand up and go, no, and the, you, usually it takes a little bit of energy. It takes a little bit of a, uh, you, you just don't do that if you don't really care. But if you have a disagreement, it, it means something to you. So you declare something. My dear brothers and sisters, I have a serious concern I need to bring up with you. For I've been informed by those in Chloe's household or house church that you have been destructively arguing among yourselves. Destructively. Destructively. What does it look like when we argue destructively? I was fortunate. I grew up in a home where we could question things. We could, we could bring something up that we disagreed with. But there was a moment where the discussion was over. And uh, I knew where it was over, but it was okay to go, well, why? It wasn't like I'm the father, I'm the mom, you know, just because I say so. Especially when they got to be teenagers, there was discussion. They wanted us to understand their rationale from something. Now, sometimes it was just still even no, but uh, there was this opportunity. But then there was this moment where uh, it was too much, where, where we were questioning. And heaven forbid if my mother ever made a decision and I tried to manipulate her out of that decision, my father was all over me because I became destructive and decision was over. But this idea of uh, being destructive in our arguing, 
uh, our disagreements, us saying, hey, look at me, uh, points to something. It declares something. Yes, sir. Black yes, sir. Uh, 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 hey, yo, P-Day, how many yards you think you're going to get this season, bro? Well, I didn't want to brag, Big Blue, but I figure on at least a uh, thousand. But I didn't want to brag. Hey, didn't I tell you all them white boys won't go play for no brothers? Well, who needs them, baby? From now on, the Titans is going to be powered by soul power, bro. He said a soul power. Put your hand down. You smiling. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Football's fun. Fun, sir. Fun, sir. It's fun. Yes. You sure? I think so. Now you're thinking. First you smile, then you think. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir. Uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is uh, it? No, not by now. No, not it's now. not fun anymore. No. Not even a little bit. No. Make up your mind. No, no. Think. Since you're thinking now, go on. Think. No, Is no. it fun? No, sir. No. No, sir. Absolutely not? Zero fun, sir. All right. Listen up. I'm Coach Boone. I'm going to tell you all about how much fun you're going to have this season. We leave for camp. Gettysburg College, August 15th, 729 a.m. If you report at 730, you will not be playing football this season. You will be watching. You will wear a jacket, shirt, and tie. If you don't have one, buy one. Can't afford one, then borrow one from your old man. If you don't have an old man, then find a drunk, trade him for his. Because I can guarantee you there isn't a bum on the street that looks as raggedy and ridiculous as what I'm looking at right now. This is no democracy. It is a dictatorship. I am the law. If you survive camp, you will be on the team. If you survive. Check him in, coach. Check him in. I'm Coach Hines, your offensive line coach. Get out your name and position starting from the right. Speedy Jones, running back. V, running back, y'all. Jerry Harris, quarterback. Rev. And who in the name of heaven might you be? Louis Lastic, offensive lineman. Naval family just moved here from Bayonne. Someone said football, so I come running. What's going on, everybody? We damn calling the shots? Ain't none of us gonna see nothing but the bench this year. You ain't calling the shots, you'll play. come together they play football they win and they bring the community with them wouldn't that be a wonderful thing for a church to be so unified not clones but so unified that we bring the community with us as i say those words i go are those even possible is that even possible is it just a dream out there that's not possible. It is possible. I've seen glimpses of it already where we bring the community with us. 
But you see, our disagreements declare some things. First of all, they declare whether it's all about me. Saw some of those football players in the beginning. It's all about them. There's actually going to be some. There's going to be some scenes where one player puts another player first. Unheard of. It's about the game. It's about the purpose. It's not about themselves. It also tells us it declares our disagreements. Are we all about fun, just for ourselves? Is there more than fun? Nothing wrong with fun. Fun's a good byproduct of life. But I don't know if that should be the focus of life. It's all about us and not them. There's division. You see that. That poor guy that's moved in is caught in the middle. <laughs> he wants to live in both worlds. And you see as that unfolds that just... He, he, he just can't, he comes from a different place where this wasn't the same kind of issue. It's about us or them. If, if that gets into your mindset, uh, sometimes when I'm talking, you get premarital counseling, I say it's not about winning an argument. When you think you've won, when you're going for winning, everybody loses. Same truths in community life for a church declares a lot about me where I disagree. Sometimes it's a, about my direction. It can declare that. Sometimes we see that in relationships, that it's always about that person's direction. They're fine, they're fun to be around with, but it's always got to be their way. Or, or it can be about him. Our disagreements can declare it's about him, that we're trying to put God first, Christ first. I will be in them, Jesus says, and you will be in me too, referring to his prayer with God, so that they will complete, be completely one. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you love them just as you loved me. Does the world, does the does the population outside these four walls of this church, other churches in our community, do they see that a loving, firm God, but a loving God has sent us, that we're called? Just like we send missionaries literally around the world, we're sending them. But on the field, hopefully it's pretty apparent that they've been sent from somebody who loves them because God loves them, they see that. Does our local community know that and see that, that we are sent? It's all about him. Keep your eyes on Jesus who began and finished the race we're in. A lot of imagery about being in a race as you're walking and following Christ. Study how he did it. Every time I come across this verse, I'm reminded we, as Christ follows, you ought to read those first four books of the Newer Testament. They call them the Gospels to get a glimpse of how Jesus navigated in his world. You ought to read that at least once a year. Not because I said so, but so you get an idea how Jesus lived the life we're trying to live. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. 
cross, shame, whatever. So as we look as being a local church, we're trying to do that. How do we express that? Some of you are very familiar with this. We have a mission. We exist to make a difference in people's lives wherever they are at by leading them into a growing relationship with God through Christ. That's the way our church exists. And the weeks to come, we'll unpack that a little bit more. But that's our mission. That's our mission. When we're doing something, we say, does that help us to do the mission? When we're doing a game dinner, does that help us do a mission? When we have an overnight at Lamoka, does that help us do the mission? When we have a hymn sing, does that help us do the mission? When we plant a tree on the hill for Christmas to do a Christmas lighting thing for the community, does that help us do the mission? That's the drive. If it doesn't, then we need to take a look at it. It's just not for fun. We can have fun while we're living out the mission. So we want to find and follow Jesus. So we're trying to let people find Jesus, create an environment where hopefully you're sitting there and maybe you have no background. And as we're singing and talking, you get a glimpse of who God is. Don't get the whole picture in in one hour on a Sunday, but you start to see because you need to find Jesus as the answer to all of your life. So you find Jesus, and then you follow Jesus. And our mission as a church is to help people do that. In a sense, we're seeking seekers. And some of you are have made that decision to say yes to Christ five years ago it wasn't on your radar and then all of a sudden you became a seeker and so as a church family we want to have a place a spot for you to tease that out and walk with you on your spiritual journey so a seeker can actually seek and find and then follow Jesus Into the spring, we came up with, if that's our mission, if that's why we exist, then what are we trying to do? How are we trying to express that? What's what's our goal? What's our plan? And after a lot of work, we came up with this, the leadership team. We seek to be a multi-generational church. That's key for us. That has the undeniable cultural impact on the Finger Lakes. By lifting up Jesus Christ, teaching God's word, and making disciples who love and live like Jesus. This is an indoctrination class, but when you and I own that mission and own that vision, and if you break it down, you'll see that it comes from the Great Commission, Great Commandment, very scriptural. We'll talk about this later. But when you own those things, and that's the grid, not that's just the grid you live your church life through, but that's the grid you live your life through. Disagreements are healthy, but they don't distract. They don't, they don't declare negativity. Because when that isn't our case, all these little hiccups get us off track because disagreements can distract. We don't want to be distracted. Paul, I tell you exactly what I was told. 
you are all picking sides, going around saying, I'm on Paul's side. I'm for Apollos. I'm for Peter. Peter's my man. I belong only to Christ. You see, distinctions, differences can grow into disagreements that become this, this just this, this, this focus that just is disagreeable. And so we don't want to be distracted. We don't want to live five years, ten years, and go, wow, what a waste of that time. That was just si We were busy. We were distracted. We did a lot of disagreeing. But when it's all said and done, the ball didn't get moved down the field. We've got to be careful that our disagreements don't become distractions rather than strengths because we have a different point of view. Because when that happens, we can just go all over the place. Other things become the issue. Corinthian church, their main teachers became the issue, became their direction. That wasn't to be the case. The same thing happens with the culture. It's been a rare privilege to have lived here as long as I have, coaching your boys. I'll be taking the year off. No. After which I'll be moving to Loudon taking the head coaching job at Loudon High. I say boycott T.C. Williams. He stole your job. I'm not playing for him. Started a petition and I'm sitting this season out. Place you're going to sit right back in that chair, Gary. I appreciate it, though. Boycott T.C. Boycott school. Stop this, Fred. You know that none of these boys can afford to go to some other district just to play ball. They sit this one out, they put their futures on the line. Coach. I'm out, too. I ain't playing for no thief. Don't do this. Don't make this any harder for me than it already is. Coach, if you go, I go. I only play for you, Coach Young. Don't go, Coach. What's amazing is most individuals in that situation would have taken those boys with them. He really did care more about those boys and their football, quote-unquote, careers than himself. It would have been really easy for him to take all that in and go, yes, I got a following, yes, they're all about, yes, and just kind of rolled with it. But the maturity that he demonstrates is unbelievable. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've seen this happen uh, in church world where all of a sudden there's an issue and one person says, yeah, we're with you. And all of a sudden there's two churches. I was up in Presque Isle, Maine one time speaking at a youth conference and there was one church here and there was one church there and that church was exactly like this church. It was 60 years earlier, they had a fight and they went down the corner and started another church. I mean, literally when you're walking out the door, you could see the other people in the other church. What does that say to the community? <laughs> it's unbelievable all the wasted resources, and they were a place like this with a military. They had a big Air Force base, and uh, that Air Force base, because there were so many people could support two churches, when the Air Force base went out, both churches just crumbled. And, and they, 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 I don't know if to this date, they rejoined. I mean, doctrinal statement, everything was the same. Everything. Not too good. So what are the things that can distract us? I'm just going to give us a few of them just to kind of like perk your interest. Uh, 
community groups this week. If you're talking about this, it'll be fun to talk about this and see people's differences on this. But uh, you, first of all, you see this idea of contemporary differences or distinctions, and you go, where does that come from? Well, those folks who said, I'm of Paul, were contemporary people. Paul was starting to work with the Gentiles, not the historic Jewish population. He was leaving the temple environment, working with, you know, with non-Jewish folks. So his stuff was all new. And so there were people in the Corinth church that liked that. Fresh ideas were, they, they were married to the ideas. We see this, even though I'm free of the demands, this is Paul speaking, and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. And this was driving the traditional folks crazy because Paul would do anything if he thought he could have an impact. And so there were people that got into his camp, and we're going to see that Paul doesn't like that. Paul doesn't like saying, I'm of Paul. He doesn't like that. We read on the religious, the non-religious, the meticulous, the moralist, the loose-living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever, however, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearing in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Unbelievable. That was kind of the mark of Paul's distinction. It changed everything that he would do that. I've become just about a sort of every servant there is, servant in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did this all because of the message, the good news, the gospel. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in it. So, fresh, contemporary, latest, greatest thing. Paul was there. Paul would try anything. Paul would have been an early adapter. He would have had video streaming 10 years ago. We have it out of necessity, kind of pulled it together. A little different. Then there's also in this passage, there's this educational distinction, this, you know, this culture distinction. A man named Apollos came to Ephesus. He was a Jew born in Alexandria, Egypt, and a terrific speaker, eloquent, cultured is another word they used to describe him, and powerful in his preaching of the, of the scriptures. And people just gravitated towards him. He was, it was very intellectual, and they loved it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that was his style. So all these people are saying, I'm of Apollos. I don't like Paul. I don't like the contemporary. But give me a good speech. Give me one that really entertains my intellectual, contemplative state of being, and I'm there. So here in this one church, we've got two groups. You also had the traditionalists, of course. And that was Peter. Peter, Cephas, Peter was a traditionalist. Uh, and he had a hard time letting go of traditions. So much so that one time Paul himself had to get on his case about it. He said, knock it off, Peter. You're overboard on the traditional stuff. Nothing wrong with it, but you're making it into too much. When Peter came to Antioch, he did something that was not right. This is Paul writing. I stood against him because he was wrong. He was overplaying it. 
Paul's not saying that he was compromised. He's just, just way over the top. And then there were those, and these are the people that really bugged me, sorry. <laughs> the spiritual distinctions. These people said, I'm of Jesus, you know, I'm of the Messiah, I'm, I'm super spiritual and all this kind of stuff, and blah, you know, and, and, that's, and that was a group. And they just said, oh, I'm not of this, and, you know, just to look better than the other three groups. Proverbs reads, there is a generation rising that is so filled with pride that they think they're superior and look down on others. This is generation is rising that uses their words like swords to cut and slash those who are different. Not good. Not good at all. These camps, these differences, it's not wrong to have a preference. It's not wrong to any of those kinds of things. It's not wrong to have a different opinion. But this was just way overplayed what would you say you're of like of contemporary I'm of education of I'm tradition spiritual and you can just come up with maybe another topic and is that the driving force or is mission and vision the driving force and looking at all those and say let's take the best out of everything and try to do the best with what works as it's not crossing a line of, God, of integrity, of sin, we'll try whatever. And so we can make it even more personal. We can say hymns, praise music, youth ministry, men's ministry. I didn't put women's ministry in there. Forgive me. Uh, Awana, kids zone, Christian school, homeschool, public school, topical preaching, expository preaching, community groups, Sunday school, suits, skinny jeans. Don't worry, you'll never see me do that. I first had to get skinny, but uh, anyway, you get the idea. If I start losing some weight, watch out. No, just kidding. Disagreements can distract. We need to be wise enough to see what they are in our own life. I can point them out in you. You can point them out in me. You can put them out in the next person next to you. But what are they in my life that is distracting me from mission and vision? And you may say, well, I don't agree totally with that mission and vision. The essence of following Christ or in both of those, it might be a word twist or something, but, but th that is good news, the gospel kind of living. And so what is our focus? Do we let our disagreements distract us? Uh, do we let them define us? We've got to be careful about this because when they define us, kind of doesn't go too well. Is Christ divided, Paul says? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except for Crispus and Gaius. So on one can say that uh, you were baptized in my name. And thinking a little bit, yes, I did baptize the household of Cephas beyond that. I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. But Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Good news, that's all gospel means. Good news of Jesus Christ. Not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be empty of its 
power. So when we let disagreements go wild, or we think about them, disagreements can make us seem like we're silly. I mean, that, that little list that Paul went through is silliness. Am I of this? Am I of that? And Paul is kind of being sarcastic when he says, great thing I didn't baptize more of you because then you'd be like, I'm a Paul. And he just didn't want to play that game. Disagreements, okay to have, but how do they define us? I think they can define us as silly or they can define us as serious, Christ-centered. Do the things we hold to, how does that fit with mission and vision? I don't think we ought to do that because I don't think it lines up in a healthy discussion about that. Not so that we become disagreeable, not a spirit of disagreeableness. Are we serious? Do we really think things through? When it comes to a disagreement, is it worth it? Do you, do you pick your battles? Is it a battle that, that's significant, that's important? Or is it something that just distracts and defines us as being silly? God didn't send me out to collect a following for myself, but to preach the message of what he has done, collecting a following for him. And he didn't send me to do with a lot of fancy rhetoric and my own words. Again, lest the powerful action at the center, Christ on the cross, be trivialized into mere words. It's not attractive. It's not verbally compelling when it's Christ, the Spirit of God, to be in the center. So, how does your disagreement define you? When it comes down and it gets boiled down to the bottom, what does it really matter? Hey, look, I can't even spell diplomacy, and I'm sorry about the way things went down, but Make no mistake, I am qualified to be the school's head coach. I'm sure you've been in what, four or five programs in the past ten years? With four or five championships. This isn't about me. I'm worried about my boys. Well, I ain't gonna cook them and eat them. The best player will play. Color won't matter. From the looks of our little situation we got us here, I'd say it's about all that does. Yeah, you're right. We in a tough spot, Coach. You, me, the whole city. I think that it would go a long way to smooth things over if you would stay. Work on the staff, be a defensive coordinator, assistant head coach. Work under you. If that's the way you see it. Good night, Coach. But first, do humans work under you? Is that who I'm taking my orders from? We think about spiritual life. The question is, who do you work under? Who do you work under? Who do you serve under? Not me. Not Seneca Community Church. Do you work under the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life? If you're a Christ follower... That's where you march to. If, you, if you're not, if you're still figuring that out, that, that's coming. If you decide to say yes to Christ and follow him, you need to live life under his leading. 
So our bottom line is this. I couldn't get it all in there, so there's another statement underneath it. Agreeing to disagree doesn't have to become disagreeable. We don't have to be a spirit of disagreeable. In every conversation, you think, yeah, 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 yeah. doesn't have to be that. You can still disagree, but it doesn't have to get to that place. It doesn't have to be a spirit of disagreeable. It doesn't have to be just on each other, picking at each other. Expanding a little bit, agreeing on a Christ-centered mission and vision keeps disagreements from stalling a church's forward movement. God's got great things for Seneca, Ta- Seneca Community Church to impact lives, to do those kinds of things. And I'm not saying we're there yet, but I'm saying that if we let disagreements, it will stall us from moving forward. You'll get, you know, I think of those two churches in Presque Isle, stalled. The resources of maintaining two buildings, one corner, you can see each other. That's sad. They stalled out. Just think of all that energy was one place. One place. And again, church, local Christ followers, not a building per se. Already mentioned this, but Paul says, I did all of this because of the message, the good news. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on this. And I tell you, it's not because I'm a pastor. I'm a Christ follower. I love being in on it. I love seeing God work in people's lives. On one hand, you're just a spectator watching that happen, but you get to be a part of it. I just don't want to talk about nice words about Jesus and all these principles. I want to be in on it. I want to see it impacting my life and impacting other people's lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the transparency of this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Father, even though it's almost 2,000 years ago, we can see ourselves in it. We ask that you would help us, help us to not be clones, to help us to be able to disagree, but not in a way that it stalls your moving in our midst and in our own lives. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name.